0: Welcome back to Banjo Strings and Drinking Gourds, How American Culture Came to Be, the podcast of the Frontier Culture Museum of Virginia. Today we're continuing our set of episodes for Women's History Month. This episode features Misty describing a typical spring day in the life of a woman of the eastern woodlands. Before I begin to describe a day in the life of the women of the eastern woodlands, I should note a few things. First, the eastern woodlands is an extremely large cultural region. There were hundreds of diverse nations that lived within that region, and many that still do. These sovereign nations, different languages, unique cultures, and assorted means of organizing socially and politically, and the sizes of their communities varied greatly. Some of what I'll describe can be viewed as common to the region, but many things are particular to certain places, peoples, and times. Second, it's important for our listeners and for our visitors to understand how we interpret the indigenous cultures of the eastern woodlands, or how do we know what we know. There are three types of resources available to historians of the eastern woodlands, archaeology, oral history, and contemporary European accounts. Not one of those potential sources of information are superior to the others, and frequently these references align. Let's begin with our day. You're a visitor to an eastern Woodlandstown. You've walked through a heavily wooded area, but there's a lot of open space, raft of undergrowth, because controlled fires have been conducted within the last few months. You have walked through a heavily wooded area, but it's mostly open space, bereft of undergrowth because controlled fires have been conducted within the last few months. There is fresh, tender growth sprouting, and soon the men will be hunting the deer and turkey who are attracted to this new growth. As you come to a large clearing, you see some old fields and spaces that look like a place for new fields. There are a few tools near the fields. Pointed and sharpened sticks, hoes made of stone or bone, and a few European-style iron hose. In the distance, you see several dozen houses alongside many work shelters and spaces. The houses, called by different names throughout the region, are dome-shaped and they are covered with either bark or tightly sewn cattail mats. This town, and others like it in the region, is the sphere of the women. They own all of the houses, and they control the spaces within. Men's spaces are primarily outside of town, with hunting, fishing, warfare, diplomacy, and trade. The work performed by these men and women are highly gendered, and there are only a handful of jobs or activities that are communal. The women of the eastern woodlands are seen as life givers. The stories their people often tell say that all life, and the earth from which emerges all plants, animals, and people, come from woman. The jobs these women have are life-giving. It's early morning, and you see people, adults, children, and infants, leaving their houses to go to water every single day, no matter the time of year. They wash themselves in nearby bodies of water. Washing is ritual it ensures cleanliness and encourages hardiness in all weather conditions. That hardiness is important because the work that will be done later in the day by both men and women requires a significant range of motion. This means that while they're dressing for the weather, they'll be wearing less clothing than you might see in other cultures. The women are wearing wrap skirts made of deer hides, moccasins, also generally made of deer hides, perhaps deer hide leggings. And if the day is chilly, they may also don a mantle made of either bird feathers or small hides like raccoon or fox. The men are wearing breech which is a thin strip of deer hide tied about their waist with a leather belt. They're also wearing moccasins, and perhaps leggings, and maybe even a similar mantle. Most of the children aren't wearing any clothing. Both the men and the women have an assortment of body decoration, tattoos, paint, and jewelry. A few women and men are wearing recently acquired European trade beads, some trade silver jewelry, and They've substituted their leather skirts and breech clouts for brightly colored wool. If they're wearing wool, the women seem to prefer red and the men blue. As long as the weather doesn't become inclement, they're going to be outside for most of the day. As you walk into town, the sound of women pounding and grinding corn and mortars fills the air. As the day begins, work crews are forming who participates, and what they do is varied. Perhaps women are in kin groups, perhaps age groups, or perhaps they're simply in groups of women who work well together. None of these women are likely to work apart or separately because it's neither safe nor efficient. Some activities are seasonal, but the vast majority of women's work relates to food. The acquisition, preparation, and storage of life-sustaining food. As with so many others in the eastern woodlands, farmed foods will fill the bulk of their granary storehouses. They'll supplement this with what the men hunt and fish, and women will also be gathering for food, medicine, and other materials. Group number one, since it's spring, is heading to the new field you just passed, women in this group will be weeding and then building hills using their sharpened digging sticks in the hose. Corn goes by many names throughout the region, and there are many types of corn. Corn for flour, corn to eat green or unripe, corn for hominy. The women will plant successively throughout the growing season in order to meet the need for those different varieties. The new field may be used by just one family group or it could be communal. Regardless of eventual use, the women have decided where these fields needed to be based upon their knowledge of the lands near their communities. From generation to generation, mother to daughter, they know where the soil warms faster and where it's better to plant. Not long after they plant the corn, they'll follow with beans, squash, and sunflowers. The corn will provide support for the beans The beans will enrich the soil, and the squash will keep the roots of the plants cool and help cut down on weeding. This is commonly known today as a three-sisters garden. Some of the women in the group will be gathering some plants that have grown up in the old fields from a few years ago, mostly dogbane for making twine, along with some bee balm for teas. Group number two has gone out into the woods to gather firewood. Fires throughout the community are kept growing year-round, so this isn't a seasonal job, it's every day. In the women's houses, those fires will provide any combination of light, warmth, insect deterrence, or smoke for preservation. Some of the firewood is coming from an area that is being burned for a new field. The trees that have fallen will be burned into sections to make it easier to gather to bring back into town. Along the way, mothers point out spring ephemerals to their daughters, and noticing where the mayapple leaves are coming up, they'll later be able to find the fruits of the plant when they're fully ripe. Every woman in the group is keeping a sharp eye out for the white flowers of the bloodroot or cocoon. Later in the season, they can harvest the roots of the plant to use for dyeing, body adornment, and they can even trade the valuable root with nations who don't have access to it. All of the women in this community know of thousands of plants that can be used for multiple purposes. Knowing what part to use, when to gather it, what part isn't safe, how to cultivate and sustain it, and why the plant is important to use is a daily lesson for their daughters. Until those daughters can pass that knowledge down to their own daughters, the lessons will continue. Group three is cooking today. There are no set mealtimes, so they'll provide food to anyone who stops by on breaks and work. The ground corn is being made into ash cakes by adding a little water, some bear fat rendered last fall, and a little bit of leftover soft hominy. This will be served with some of the brook trout the older boys brought by earlier. Later on, others may bring gathered greens, including... The greens from the yellow flowers that the English people call dandelions. The boys, guarding the fields from crows, happen to shoot a squirrel and a rabbit. They'll be bringing that to add to the simmering pot. One woman leaves to help the firewood gatherers bring over some new fuel. And after that's done, she'll go with others to gather water from a nearby spring. As she gathers some of the wood, she notices a burl That can be carved out later to make a new bowl. Back at the cooking fire, one woman begins to show some of the children nearby how to process the dogbane plant to get the fibers that will later be counter-twisted into twine. She takes some previously twisted fibers and patiently shows a slightly older girl how to tie the string into regularly spaced knots to make a bag. The same girl, last fall, started to learn how to make small baskets from thin vines found at the wood's edge. A small fourth group of women working near the kitchen area are grinding the clay the women dug last fall. The clay had been sifted to remove small bits of twigs, leaves, and pebbles. And, after burning some freshwater clamshells, they will crush the shells and mix it into the clay powder before adding water to the whole mix. A few young girls have joined the women as they are now learning how to hand build the round bottom pots used for cooking. Starting with a small ball, the youngest girl forms a bowl shape while her friend rolls out coils to build the walls of their pot. When they get enough done, they'll bring the pot over to their aunt so she can show them how to pat the walls with the twine wrapped paddle she has by her side. An older girl in the group is using a bone needle to carve decorations into a large pot she just finished this morning. She'd made the needle just last fall, when she helped her mother and the other women butcher a doe. This coming fall, she'll help the women clean and scrape hides and learn how to apply deer brains to soften the skin of the hide. Once the hide is finished, it will be smoked to seal it and preserve it, and then she'll have the means to make her own first pair of moccasins. Many of the women have been talking about how some hunters in other places have started to leave women out of the processing of hides in order to quickly increase the size of the bundles they carry to the English for trading. As the day progresses, the children move throughout the groups of women, and there are even some men who have stayed to work on a variety of tools the children run about catching smiles, treats, and a few lessons. Occasionally, the men and women will encourage the children to play a game by tossing a small ball around or encouraging some of the boys to aim at a tossed piece of moss. The older boys wrestle with each other and the groups nearby clap for them. There are many more days of work the women will be planning for the several seasons of their year, but the shared work Will go by quickly, just like it did today. As the eldest women in the community look around, they see how their line has grown. Their voices and their decisions will be heard as a new leader will soon be chosen. One day, their daughters will have their own line, and their days will continue to be blessed with shared work and life-giving.